As we continue to face new challenges each day, we at Real Presence Radio want you to know we're here for you. We're excited to announce that Monday through Friday from 9 to 9.30 a.m. Central during Real Presence Live, we'll bring you a daily Mass celebrated by one of our local clergy members. Listen to it on air or watch it on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. We know the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, which is why we want to bring Jesus to you spiritually Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. during Real Presence Live. Be sure to tune in. Hello everyone, Steve Sponskowski here with Real Presence Radio. During these unprecedented times of difficulty, we are challenged to review what we value most and what we cannot imagine living without. Over the next few weeks and perhaps months, we will be reminded of what a great gift the Eucharist is because we will be separated for a time from our Lord's precious gift. Our priests and bishops continue reaching out and ministering to us still as they can through Real Presence Radio, diocesan websites, and social media. But remember that our parishes will suffer without any ability to receive support on the weekends. I ask you to consider giving as you can to make sure that our parishes, the basic building blocks of our Catholic communities, remain strong during this time of difficulty. We at Real Presence Radio remain steadfast in doing all we can to also help and assist our church in this time, and also appreciate your ongoing prayers and support. God bless you. Looking for the latest news coming out of our local diocese on the novel coronavirus precautions? Listen for RPR Newslink updates Monday through Friday at the top of each hour during Real Presence Live and again throughout the afternoon, five minutes before 12, 1, 5, and 6 p.m. Central. We want to keep you informed so you can make the best decisions for you and your loved ones in this time of trial. It's the RPR Newslink, weekdays at the top of each hour during Real Presence Live and five minutes before 12, 1, 5, and 6 p.m. Central, right here on Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I would say um, where Catholic Radio has played a pretty important role in my faith is I'm a scientist, so I I think of everything kind of in knowledge and intellectual terms. So Catholic Answers helped a lot because I might have some questions or there was a lot that I wasn't aware of. And it always seems like the callers' questions were just timed perfectly for whatever I was wondering about or had questions about. So I was able to learn kind of piece by piece and and build. And now with kids, I really like to hear Dr. Ray's show with all the little discipline tips because he makes it so simple. Yes. Um, I think for me, you know, the history has has been really interesting. You know, I grew up Catholic and we went to Sunday school and, and religious education, but you can always learn more and there's just, you know, there's only so much that you can learn. I mean, when you're just going once a week to religious education. So for me, it's just been really interesting to learn, you know, why do we do this or where did this come from or, you know, or to be able to answer questions when people have them. I think that's been the biggest help. 
Through these times of trial, we invite you to join us in steadfast prayer for all those affected by the coronavirus and for increased hope and trust in the Lord. Monday through Friday from 10.30 to 11 Central during Real Presence Live, our hosts lead a live rosary for these intentions. We also celebrate daily Mass at 9 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. after the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And on Sundays, we bring you Mass at 7 and now 10.30 a.m. Central. Please join us as often as you can. We're your family of faith and hope. Actually, I've been listening to Catholic Radio since I was a kid. My mom got like a shortwave radio back in the day to pick up, pick up Mother Angelica's station. So my favorite, favorite shows on our Real Presence Radio would have to be, um, well, I, like, I love the Coming Home Network and listening to stories. And mm-hmm. um, there are so many good ones, though, that I really enjoy. Yeah, faith has always been an important role in the upbringing. My parents were always, um, uh, we always had bedtime prayers that, in fact, we use those same prayers now, Teddy and I do with our children um, at bedtime. But um, they sent us to Catholic school, uh, but always uh, family and faith were always a very integral part of our upbringing. We went to Mass together, and well, and my uncle, Father John, who is a priest, was always a a role there, always a presence in our family. So it seemed very good and normal, and um, we had all Catholic friends. It seemed we, we really loved our faith growing up. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey everybody, Father Craig Vosick here, your host, coming at you, like I said, from a top of a mountain. I am hanging off of a chairlift with my snowboard under my feet. And as I mentioned before, Father Greg, I'm is down there at my feet, <laughs> making sure that my bindings are tied up. <laughs> Father Imer, we got you on. Father Greg, I'm welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. It's a great honor to uh, be hosted on the uh, radio show in such a beautiful place. It's really magnificent. Look at the view. Look at the, this <laughs> beautiful mountain. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So as I mentioned, I'm out here with my buddies for a week, uh, and we're just loving uh, mountain life. Uh, Father Imer. I, we're not on the video, so I'll, everybody, he hasn't been on with us before. I'll tell you what he looks like. He, I mentioned we don't look like baby priests anymore. He actually still does. He's always carried sort of a baby face. Uh, he's just a darling guy, uh, except today, I don't know what's going on. He's got, he had a beard going, or I don't know what's going on. He's got a foo man chew. <laughs> he's got a mustache coming down the side with a little thing under his uh, chinny chin chin here. Father Imer, what's, is that like a 10th year? Uh, what is that? Yeah, I I grew out a beard uh, over Lent. And, uh, ah, you're so holy. I get it. And then I... Uh, I kept it because I was planning on doing uh, two camping trips, and uh, for anybody who's tried to grow a beard, it gets pretty itchy in that uh, in-between stage between uh, the stubble and the beard. So I was going to keep the <laughs> I was going to keep the beard until then, and then uh, I just found out that uh, both my camping trips to both the Boundary Waters oh. and uh, Superior Hiking Trail uh, had to be canceled oh. because of uh, some of the COVID stuff sure. and other things. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm just uh, I've been doing a little catechesis on the uh, the mass, and uh, as we're leading up to Pentecost, I thought we need to change this up a little bit, and so uh, every day. So changing your face up. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. I, I, and we're and we're coming to the end of the catechesis on the mass, and so every every day, the, the, my followers get to uh, see a little extra something special. That is hilarious. <laughs> That's very liturgical because we do that kind of thing in the liturgy, where it's like you know, first Sunday of uh, Lent or something, we have one candle, or that's Advent, and then second Sunday we do a second candle. So it's like there's this gradual movement, so that your face is imitating that. It, it really tells me that you've taken on the liturgical life, even even in your beard. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Every, everything's got to be given to the Lord, right? <laughs> hey, amen, even the beard. All right, so as I mentioned before, Father, I'm and I, well, I didn't mention this, but anyway, we've been priests for 10 years, uh, coming up on 10 years next month, uh, and uh, he's from the Diocese of Madison, and I mentioned that he's the director of liturgy, so let's talk a little bit more about liturgy. You've been doing this catechesis, um, uh, and also director of vocations, uh, but we met back in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that, 14 years ago? Uh, 2006, uh, we all arrived, all the guys that were going to the North American College arrived in July, uh, didn't know anybody, and then we got immersed into Italian studies. But So Father Greg, I'm, and I traveled through that, that first time, that initial. Uh, you were at a different university for the first year or so, but then we were at the same university uh, the, for a, a number of years, uh, two or three more years, or what, a few two years. Two and a half, yeah. And then you went off to your specialized liturgical studies, but we stayed in Rome together, so we're living at the same place for five whole years. Yep. And before, I want to make sure I say this, before we left the seminary in 2010, uh, we, we, we said, because we had seen some other priests who had bound themselves together, and they said, let's make sure that we see each other, spend time together, and invest in each other for life, and not lose track of each other. And so there's 50 guys in the class that you could try to do that with, but anybody out there who's graduated from high school or from college, you have those good intentions, and then within a year you haven't talked to anybody. Um, so... That's what we decided to do. There were there were uh, a number of us, uh, just over a handful of us, that decided let's bind ourselves together, and we have, and we have uh, vacation together every year, uh, and now uh, we're starting to do other things together, like go and uh, hang off the cliff of a mountain, right. which is so great, <laughs> Montana, with a Fu Manchu on Father Ime's face. <laughs> I love that. So everybody, this is Father Craig Vosick, your host, Real Presence Live. I'm here with my good buddy, Father Greg Ime, uh, and he, as I mentioned, uh, literally for the diocese. So you just mentioned, Father Ime, that um, you've been doing a catechesis on the Mass, and I've been following it. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's going on Facebook, or is it on just Facebook, or is there other platforms that you're doing uh, just, this on? Just Facebook, yeah. So on Facebook, we're going on Facebook Live, and uh, w- it's on your personal page. Yep, so Gre- uh, Gre- Gregory Ime. Gregory Ime, Facebook, Facebook. if you want to go, uh, go back and tune into these people, uh, you can see all this catechesis that Father Ime was doing. He was offering Masses uh, anyway, and then he started uh, adding a catechesis to this. So um, let's not talk about the inspiration for it, COVID, whatever. Let's jump right into the substance of it. What have you, what have you, have you, have you just said, okay, here's the entrance and here's the exit and everything in between? Or like, what so have you been I, up to? I, I started out just by um, being a master of ceremonies. There's right. so many details that people just don't know about, you know. And so I just started with the very basics of, this is a chalice. This is a paten you know, that the host sits on. This is a purificator. You know, the whole thing how, of how a chalice is set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started talking about the significance of candles, you know, the mm. Easter candle. Um, bringing in some scriptural passages, you mm. know, the exalted from the, uh, from the Easter vigil. Um, and, um, yeah, and then, like, how do you light 
candles mm-hmm. and how do you put them out so as to not cause Zacherston's a ton of headache, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Oh my gosh, let me tell you. <laughs> and so it was amazing the number of people they wrote back. That's where those black spots come from. Yeah. I could never figure it out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, well, so it was just a lot of fun to. Uh, oh my gosh. To clue people into some of those details. Well, for people that aren't dealing with sacristies, you know, so if you're a general person who's sitting out in the pews, you don't know what kind of frustration and fiascos take place in the oh in the sacristies, even during liturgies. Sometimes, right. you know, <laughs> not just before or after, but uh, even during things like uh, what Father I'm just mentioned. Uh, someone takes the the candle to the like the, the taper uh, taper to go light see i don't even know the word and i'm a priest for 10 years uh <laughs> it takes the taper out so the little the gold sort of candle lighter machine with the little wax uh was that just is that the actual yeah, taper, the taper yeah. all right so the wax piece that you know folds out and you light that and you go out with this machine uh, not a machine but stick whatever and you're lighting the candles when you come back into the sacristy a lot of people just either blow it out which is fine i guess or they dr- they pull it back down the wax wick back down into the gold thing thing and they leave it in there and so now you have hot wax that is drying inside of a metal tube and then you're going to try to push that out later it ain't going to happen <laughs> you know so there's tricks to these things people but the little kids or uh, other people who are trying to help out and they're good natured good will they don't know them and uh, it causes lots of frustration so i'm glad you're doing this even even for a priest like yes. you walk into the sacristy uh-huh. and you might be running late from a meeting or whatever right never ideal for a priest preparing to celebrate mass but sometimes that's you know what the what the Lord gives us. Right. So we, you run into a sacristy, and all of a sudden you're trying to light candles in a dignified way, and before you know it, you're lighting it with a big lighter, which is <laughs> right. for a liturgist, you, you never want to end up doing that. So. You go out to the microphone out in the church. Uh, does anybody smoke cigarettes here? Because uh, we're going to need matches or a lighter, like right now. So uh, please identify yourself and go to confession afterward. <laughs> I don't know. Because my taper was pr- improperly dealt with. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, the person who improperly dealt with the taper should go to confession. Right. That should be, that should be on the list of sins. Sacristy sins. Well, now, now that I've given catechesis, now they know. Now, now it's an actual sin. It's true. You can't be ignorant anymore. That's exactly right. So you've uh, you've done like just the basics, and you've kind of done so the yeah, other things. That, that was probably the first week or so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I kind of ran through a lot of the details that I thought were significant mm. and important. Wow. Um, so then I just entered into the... Um, the, there's a book that kind of guides the mass, which is called the General Instruction of the Roman Missal. Mm-hmm. Um, the germ. We don't like the germs because germ. it gives us COVID, right? Now. <laughs> germs true. give you COVID. But if for a liturgist, you love the germ. <laughs> yeah, you better love the germ. <laughs> and you make sure everybody loves the germ. <laughs> Let me tell you what the germ says. Okay. The General in- Instruction of the Roman Missal. Yeah. So you've been going through that. So we've been going through it, and we're oh, in the oh, last wow. week uh, here, um, just covering the, you know, the communion rite. And then the concluding rites. So you're um, in the last week just because you want to stop doing it, or you're, in the, or you're in the last week because you're actually finishing it. Um, we're we're finishing. Wow. Well, we're we're finishing the catechesis on the on the mass. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of moving into catechesis of the Holy Spirit uh, oh. this next week. My goodness. So um, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm hoping to get some feedback from the uh, people who've been following. See what kind of things they want to. Well, everybody, if you're out there and you're like, "Whoa, this sounds kind of interesting," I want to know what this stuff is. You can go to Gregory Im 
on Facebook, and you can uh, you can add him as your friend. Uh, he's a very lovely man to be a friend with. He's a that's one of his best characteristics of me knowing him for the last uh, 15 years is that he has a great capacity for being a friend, uh, warm heart, loving, big heart, open to others, always joyful and interested in others, um, and very humble. Doesn't think too much about himself, but always wants to focus on others. So I've always appreciated that about you, Father. I'm here. We are sitting next to each other smiling and crying together. (laughs) We're having our 10-year cry together. So emotional. Um, Okay, so um, we just did something cool with candles yesterday. We're setting up a a chapel. You know, you have to be creative when you're setting up a chapel. And we had candles, but we didn't have candlesticks. Right. So we burnt the bottom of the candle, got the wax wet uh, and hot, and then put it down onto a little tray and then uh, erected them upright. Now we've got, we've got candlesticks uh, homemade because we've got, we're priests who know what we're up to. <laughs> Father Reimer, anything else you want to add about uh, uh, this uh, catechesis that you've done, the blessing that it's been, even though you haven't been able to... Um, yeah, you know, to, w- one of the things that really uh, struck me was uh, r- in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, um, and even canonically, priests are expected to pray and prep before they celebrate Mass, and they're expected to uh, do uh, prayers after Mass. And so I started uh, praying, there's in the back of the Missal, the um, uh, preparatory prayers from St. Thomas Aquinas, and uh, it's been a huge blessing to uh, pray that. And I've been praying it with all the people um, before Mass. Um, And then afterwards, there's some prayers uh, that you can say. Um, So I haven't been doing those as publicly but uh, it's, a, it's a great gift. Uh, everybody, you can't see me right now, but I am basically shaking my head in astonishment. I did not know this, that Father I was just going to say this, nor does he know what I'm going to say next. Over the last three months, I have been collecting all of the traditional prayers over the centuries that have been said before the Mass mm. and after the Mass. I've put them all together in Latin and English. I've made a book out of them, and I'm giving it to you and the other guys in our class as a 10th anniversary gift next month. <laughs> Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is real. <laughs> that is fantastic. It's phenomenal. You are you're rediscovering the beauty and even the, 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 uh, the sort of priestly expectation uh, I'm sure you've already been doing prayers before the mass but like you right. know just rediscovering the the official pr- or the prayers that can be offered right. um, and and I've been working on this in a private way for the last couple months and now I, I just finished it uh, when I was finishing my retreat last week I finished Beautiful. the work so I'm going to publish it on for anybody just to grab off Amazon publishing yeah, for yeah. a buck or whatever they want you know, I'm not trying to make money off it I just want to get right. make sure the priests can have get a handy little preaching or uh, praying you yeah. know praying praying the prayers before mass Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, some of these prayers are exquisite. They are. The, uh, the prayer of like St. Thomas Aquinas or St. Ambrose, yeah. um, or the prayers afterward, these traditional prayers that a lot of people know, like the soul of Christ sanctify me, body of yeah. Christ save me, you know, mm-hmm. Anima Christi, yeah. or the prayer of self-offering, or the mm-hmm. this prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary before Mass is really lovely. For I say priests, that one. Yeah. yeah, stand by me. So, Blessed Virgin Mother, stand by me and all priests who are today offering this holy sacrifice, just as you stood at the cross of your son mm-hmm. that's, consoling that's powerful it's powerful that Absolutely. is powerful and she's the one who offered the like the perfect offering along with Christ yeah. you know during the passion you know so um, what a great model so would you say um, that um, you know at the Holy Mass everybody participates in the offering of Christ but in particular the, the ordained priest really right. would you as far as the Blessed Virgin Mary would she be like 
basically the best example of what it means to be uh, someone in the pews who's assisting at the mass. Right. Or so th- there's there's the hierarchy of the church, like a priest is uh, ordained to offer the sacrifice, um, but there's the also the participation or the active aspect of each believer, um, and um, Mary's the one who models that both for the priest and for the blessed um, for the faithful. Um, and so there's, there's two, the two aspects of uh, the priest offering it as ordained minister, as the head, and then the members of the, of the body of Christ. But they, um, Mary is the one who teaches both the priest and the faithful to offer that sacrifice um, mm-hmm. fully. So mm, I love that. Father Ryan, we've got to stop for a moment here. Everybody, we're going to take a quick break. This is Father Craig Vosick coming to you live from the top of a mountain in Montana, and I'm not mad about it. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. In today's crowded higher education field, there's one university whose quality and personal care stands out from the crowd, the University of Mary. The University of Mary offers truly affordable, flexible adult education because your success is our priority. Here, you matter, and we're with you every step of the way to make sure you succeed. Choose a university community that cares about you as a student for life. Discover us at online.umary.edu slash discovermary. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Through these times of trial, we invite you to join us in steadfast prayer for all those affected by the coronavirus and for increased hope and trust in the Lord. Monday through Friday from 10.30 to 11 Central during Real Presence Live, our hosts lead a live rosary for these intentions. We also celebrate daily Mass at 9 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. after the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And on Sundays, we bring you Mass at 7 and now 10.30 a.m. Central. Please join us as often as you can. We're your family of faith and hope. This is Father Craig Vosick, your host for Real Presence Live. Today, we are going to continue our show and talk to lots of cool people uh, because the people that we put on the show are always cool. Um, In particular, we're going to talk to Jerome Richter in a few minutes from the University of Mary. Of course, that's why I said it's cool because I'm a priest at the University of Mary, so everything there is cool. Uh, But did you know that you can listen to Real Presence Live and any of the other daily programs that you hear on RPR via our app. 
Some people still don't know about that. Simply go to the app store on your phone and search for Real Presence Radio. Uh, once that's downloaded, Real Presence Radio is accessible anywhere you are at any time. So if you don't have the RPR app yet, go to your app store now and download it as you listen to the next interview and the rest of our show. And then uh, then you can be connected. Uh, you can also listen on uh, online. YourCatholicRadioStation.com uh, has... Uh, you can hook into the live shows and other things there, which is really grand. I have the RPR app. That's a good thing to have. Uh, so you just heard from my great buddy. Uh, I don't think I ever told you who else is going to de- be descending before we go into the next segment. Father Scott Pogachnik is the rector of the cathedral in St. Cloud, Minnesota, another classmate of mine. He's going to be coming in. Uh, Bishop Boston Vetter, I told you I'm going to wine and dine him on Sunday night to make sure that uh, that uh, he, he knows of... Uh, how awesome I am, basically. I mean, that's really, ultimately, that's the main thing. Uh, Father Mark Lenneman is a priest, a wonderful priest of the Diocese of Helena out here, uh, who works with Carroll College. Uh, not going to hold that against him. He's not from you, Mary, but that's okay. Uh, he's going to be coming up. And then Father Michael Pratt uh, is a priest of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's going to be descending upon this house. And you might be thinking, that sounds like a lot of people already. What's going on there? Well, this house is massive. It's absolutely massive. There are one, two, three, four, five big bedrooms, and one of the bedrooms has like I don't know, like ten beds or something like that. So, um, so we we got lots of room. So if you know any priests that are looking to hang out with some other awesome priests, uh, I, I might give you the address if they pass the test. If they pass the cool test, they can come. If they don't pass the cool test, they probably still c- can still come because then my coolness can wear off on them. Um. We're going to be moving into our next segment, which is beautiful. University of Mary, awesomeness, abounding. We want to get on with Jerome Richter, the Executive Vice President at the University of Mary. Jerome, are you with us? I'm here, Father. How are you today? I'm doing really well. I hope you're not mad. You're my boss, but I'm, uh, I'm on a vacation. Is that okay? Yeah, I've been looking for your car, and uh, I was about ready to give you a tardy slip this morning. <laughs> well, send it in the mail to uh, the top of the mountain. <laughs> Uh, that's great. I, I, I figured you'd be somewhere like that, so I yeah. wasn't too worried. I'm going to see Bishop. I'm going to see Bishop Vetter actually. Oh wow! Great, yeah, he, great, 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 great. Greet him for us. I will. I will send his. I will send to him the love of us from Bismarck. Right. So, right. Jerome, we want to talk about uh, what's happening uh, in the world, uh, in particular through the lens of. Uh, the University of Mary's uh, approach to COVID and what's going on. So uh, tell us a little bit about what's been happening uh, at the University of Mary. Well, thank you, Father, and to all the uh, wonderful listeners out there. Uh, I don't want to go through all that you've all talked about probably uh, umpteen times yeah. with your neighbors and friends, <clears throat> but uh, this is this has been difficult. But uh, uh, this isn't the first time. I just uh, talked to enrollment management, our our office, yesterday. And I reminded them that uh, we were founded and we're sponsored by the Benedictine Sisters Annunciation Monastery. And we have a 15-year history. And so I showed them pictures of the cave where St. Benedict ran off to in Subiaco. I showed them pictures of Monte Cassino. I said, (laughs) this isn't the first time that the Benedictines have been through a pandemic. (laughs) This, This isn't the first time that we've had to kind of uh, shift and move. But this is uh, not going to be the first time that we're going to forget our mission and what it is that we're called to do. 
And the point being, we know who we are, we know what we need to do, and now we just mm-hmm. need to navigate it. Yeah. And uh, what is our mission? To to educate uh, and to serve this region and beyond through the religious, academic, and social needs. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the big thing is uh, when you're not face-to-face with these young people, it's really, really difficult to do it. And we are totally 100% committed to opening this fall. Now, granted... That's with the caveat that uh, if something, uh, you know, disastrous would happen. But at this moment, I have a team of uh, 10, my emergency response team, that are working every day to figure out exactly how we're going to open up this fall. We have wonderful friends at the North Dakota Department of Health that are guiding us. Uh, Dr. Bob Schulte, who's also Brigadier General uh, Robert Schulte, is one of our professors. So he's in charge of testing for the state of North Dakota. And then you have Vern Dosh, who is a dear friend of the University of Mary, who is in charge of contact tracing. And between the two of them, we trust that uh, we will have all of the guidance to do this wisely and well. And we, we also have our universal guidelines and protocols that we just instituted about a week ago mm-hmm. that are helping people uh, to know what they need to do to, uh, to make this happen. Yeah. So there's a, there's deep connections in strategic ways to uh, to make sure that the university is in a good spot. And there's also a, maybe you just mentioned this and I missed it uh, a connection with uh, the state or the the government in some way. I'm I'm not up on all this. You are obviously. We're set up in our in our field house at the university in uh, to to assist in it seems like there's a, a deep alliance going on um, is that with the state or with the public health or wh- what exactly is that well it goes back many many years but the most recent time up until now that we were able to help is we had the, the flooding in uh, mm. the Red River Valley mm-hmm. so those of you out in the Red River Valley I don't want to uh, create stress or uh, <laughs> flashbacks for you but in 1997, yep. you know that we had the disastrous flood, especially for Grand Forks. Yep, well, we, we, we opened up our campus, and we housed numerous people here uh, that were separated. And then in other years, even around here when we had some flooding and a few other things, we housed the National Guard. Mm-hmm. And so what we are is we're FEMA-prepared. Yeah. And so uh, in so many ways, the University of Mary is kind of a city unto itself out here on the bluffs of the Missouri. Right. You know, we can house uh, up to 1,300 people. We have full dining. We have all the facilities. We have everything there. And so it's like all of a sudden flipping the switch on probably, you know, the 15th, 20th largest city in the state of North Dakota if everything is right here. And so when the pandemic here hit, Governor Burgum and his people reached out to us and said, hey, uh, in case this thing takes off, we're going to need some uh, extra support. Would you guys be willing to uh, have a field hospital mm-hmm. out there? Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was known as a Tier 3 field hospital, which is if the hospitals would have been inundated with uh, COVID patients, we could take all of their other patients and care for them here. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't going to become, you know, coronavirus central by any means. Uh, it would be just relieving yes. kind of the pressure valve for the hospital system. And right. praise God, as we'd always been praying, we never even had to use one of the beds. Right. But uh, it does prove that you've been gone long enough. Uh, they just tore down our Tier 3 hospital yesterday. Oh. And so, so we don't have cots set up in the field house anymore. Uh, they don't believe that we'll ever need them. 
And so mm-hmm. both the University of Mary's uh, Field Hospital and the Fargo Domes uh, have been torn down here in the last week. But ours just finished up uh, yesterday. They might be doing a few things today as well. Wow, and that's just hearing that, Jerome, uh, that this possible need uh, that the that the states or that the people around feel that we're not going to need it, that's a, that's just a relief to my ears. Not because, yeah. I mean, we need the field house for our athletes, okay, and, I, and so I'm paying attention to that, but, uh, but that, that we wouldn't need to use it because our hospitals aren't being inundated. That is such a relief just to, just to hear that. So I'm glad you're able to report that. Um, well, and, and I can't uh, say it enough times, uh, both my pride and our gratitude and how the state has handled this. Governor Burgum has been nothing but steady, uh, or as the Benedictines would call it, he brought stability, yeah. which we see as a great virtue uh, to the state. He's letting uh, facts make the decisions, not fear. Uh, he has a, a lot of these great uh, little mottos, right? Uh, we are going to be smart as we restart, uh, facts, not fear, et cetera. And we agree with him, and we're a part of this. And then here's the thing, and uh, we struggle, right, as uh, Benedictines and also as North Dakotans to brag, but at the University of Mary, we have the number one nursing school in the nation. Mm-hmm. For the last four years, our nurses have passed their boards with 100%. We have three doctorates in the Uh, health sciences. Mm -hmm. We have a doctorate of nurse practice. We have all these different things. We have a clinic on campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a partnership with CHI St. A's that uh, is seamless. You can come out here even if you really wanted to and have your checkup here even if you're not one of our students. We have a full-service campus, etc. And the point being, we just need to think through this well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we, we have to be humble enough and uh, docile enough to both Say, what do we need to do? Tell us what to do. And humble enough to see reality for what it is. And then when we make a mistake, to, to, to move on. But we're ready for our students. We, we owe it to our students to be ready this fall. And even if things get ugly, we believe that we can handle it. We have uh, a section of one of our residence halls already reserved and ready for quarantine if we would need. Uh, we hope to be able to do some testing, partnering with the state. Uh, to make sure that everything is safe there. But uh, we also would hope that over the summer we get uh, easier testing and we get yeah. to understand this thing just a little bit more. Sure, exactly right, exactly right. Uh, so March came and basically everything in the world shut down for at least a moment uh, or you know, th- this was happening all over the place. But it wasn't the case that the University of Mary shut down. Is that, I mean, the... Students were still able to well, walk us through that. Did you marry? Did, did they just shut down in March? They said, "No, we we can't do it. We're gonna we're gonna quit." Or they were able to they were able to keep going through the whole semester. Is that right? Absolutely, Father. Um, it it was not uh, what we had desired uh, yeah. in the sense of keeping things full and uh, going. But at the same time, we never ever ever wanted any one of our students ever to feel as though they didn't have an op- option. Right. And so everything that we do, and you know this, and you live this, uh, it's about our students. It's with care and concern for our students from top to bottom. I even, I even gave a lecture to a couple of our employees here uh, during this time that I had to kind of uh, help them to reset. They, they said, well, you know, what about us? What about us? I said, when you join the University of Mary, the first thing that you think about is our students. 
It's with care and concern for our students first. And sometimes yeah. we might have to put ourselves at risk for the care and concern of our students, and that's what we'll yeah. do. Yeah. And so that's exactly how we move forward through this whole thing, mm-hmm. is what is best for our students. But at the same time, Father, doing something that a lot of places aren't doing uh, as much as they should, giving personal responsibility to the students. Mm-hmm. I still remember sitting uh, at a table with Monsignor Shea as we were dealing with this thing from the beginning, and we have our campus in Rome, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we were talking, 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 and we had other people uh, advising us. And at a certain moment, I said to Monsignor, I said, Monsignor, let's not forget this. These young people, yes, they're young, are adults. They're college students. We're going to stay open for them, but they have the right to make a decision to come home or to stay. And we're going to stay open as long as we can that it's reasonable. And so we stayed open over in Rome much longer than other places, but at the same time watching every moment. And when we knew that it was going to be dangerous to get these students back home, we said, we have to advise you to do this. But from the very start, about seven of them came back, and the other mm-hmm. 18, 19 stayed. Yeah. I mean, the same thing happened here. And so uh, a lot of people wanted to go home. We said, fine, and we're going to transition you to online uh, as quickly and seamlessly as we can. But if you need to stay here, you can stay here. So we had about 200 that stayed in that mid-March area. And then by uh, April, we were down to probably about 100. And then uh, after Easter, it started to dwindle down into, uh, you know, the 80s and the 70s. And we had probably about, yeah, 70 that saw it all the way through April uh, when we're done with school, which, uh, again, we're in a good spot where we finish our spring semester at the end of April. And so Mm -hmm. we were able to feed them, take care of them, keep them safe, keep them social distanced. Etc. It, it wasn't exactly what they uh, wanted, but it was a place to stay and to be loved, and that's yeah. what we did. Yeah, though that's that was the point right there. That kind of how you finished is what I noticed to be different from so many places. I have nieces, nephews, friends, uh, family, other people that I just know. Their campus is just closed, closed, closed. Go get out, get out, get out. Yeah. Um, and that's not what happened at Mary. Mary was no. Uh, if, if you, you, it's your choice. Uh, you have to be responsible. If you'd like to go home, then we're going to help you do that. But you yep. can stay here. And I, I just I, I found that so edifying. So when when so many places closed, the University of Mary didn't really close. I mean, it it modified and uh, transitioned, which is really great. So everybody who's just tuning in, this is Father Craig Vosick, your host. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on Real Presence Live. Uh, I'm visiting with Jerome Richter. He's the executive vice president of the University of Mary, which means that he wears a... Uh, at least a hundred hats, uh, maybe more. <laughs> and uh, one of the hats that he uh, introduced us to was his uh, working with the emergency response team. Um, is that a new hat, or was this a was this a team that was already in place, and you just kind of had to dust off the hat and run with it? How did that go? No. Uh, yeah. What 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 amounted to it all is I missed one of the uh, meetings uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got appointed as the uh, the chair of the emergency response team too. <laughs> All right, so, so I, a, okay. I think I think uh, uh, it just made sense, right? Uh, as wow. you've mentioned, uh, I've I've done a number of different things here for the University of Mary, and so I think Monsignor, in uh, seeing both my work with public affairs, with athletics, with enrollment, and then now with operations. He put me in charge of chairing this, but but I have great people helping me. So mm-hmm. who who gets to say this? 
uh, as a chair of the emergency response team, my second in command, if you will, is a uh, retired general. <laughs> and so I have retired general uh, David Anderson, who sits on the Ethics Commission for the state of North Dakota, an incredibly respected man who works for us in our military office. But he's sitting there, and God bless him, because he brings a whole other uh, angle to this whole thing. You know, the military does things in ways that we could all learn a little bit. They're very practical, and they say, all right, let's get this done. And so uh, General Anderson has just been uh, tremendous for us to say, this is an operation, and we have a mission. And so now we need to talk about what is, of what is uh, offensive and what is defensive. And I'm like, hey, I like this stuff, mm-hmm. talking a little of my language there. And so uh, we've been very offensive in the sense of uh, getting our stuff in order and then very defensive mainly by asking other people all the right questions. We had former Mayor John Warford, who was a doctor and businessman, come in and tell us how he helped so many places uh, in the dentistry world, orthodontists, open up their shops and was super, super helpful uh, to us. He was also uh, our former uh, dean of the School of Business, the Gary Thorlson School of Business. And so it, it has been very educational, but you, you always rely on the people that know more than you. Uh, the one bit of yes. advice that I've always given to my students of the past and students today is find people who are smarter than you yes. and then sit at their feet. Yes. Because, because, like I can say to myself time and time again, there are people much smarter than you. Yeah. And so go seek them out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, uh, I don't know if it was in seminary or at a, at a kind of a leadership or pastor's preparation course that I was at. They said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you've got a bad committee. You've got, <laughs> you've got, uh, you need yeah. to have people around you who, who are bringing better insights sure. Uh, for sure. So, um, So, Jerome... The University of Mary made it through the spring. There's uh, there's things happening in the summer now. Um, the hope, uh, the plan is to re- resume uh, in the fall. So what um, what what is that going to look like? Is there? I mean, I'm guessing that's changing every, almost every day as far as what can be expected. You know, uh, yeah. with regard to the numbers and new cases and you know all the things that people know about. But like, it, with regard to like changes that the students would need to know about or guidelines for the students. What like what what will that what does that look like so far what are you telling the students right now i mean what what is that looking like so very simply we're telling students this we are opening up in the fall we're going to have a full in-person uh education we're going to try to provide the same benedictine education that we always have but uh we don't know exactly what it's going to be then and we will be prepared for it yeah but one of the things that we've done and so i'm actually looking right now at what we've called our returning to campus general guidelines and protocols. This is for everyone, students, athletes, or student-athletes, for staff, faculty, whoever it is. And one of the things that we did is we first gave our guiding principles, which I'll very uh, quickly kind of give you. Guiding principle number one uh, is to continue to be primarily rooted in an ethic of care for our students. As I said before, this is about our students, with care and concern for our students. And then point number two is uh, the pandemic may necessitate changes in ways we interact, but it does not change what we do. So I can't tell you what the Crow's Nest Campus Restaurant is going to look like in September, but I know what we're trying to get to, and we're prepared for whatever way. So we have three different kind of, if you will, phases for the Crow's Nest. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say to a kid, it's going to be exactly this, because who knows what's going to happen yeah, in the next yeah, yeah. few months. Right. And then, and then the last one is our number one goal is to uh, resume classes and on-campus life uh, this September. Because, again, because of our year-round campus model, three equal uh, semesters, we finish our spring semester at the end of April. Mm. We start summer in May. We go through August, we start fall in September. So we have from now until September 8th to really work all these things out. Welcoming them back is going to be probably a new experience, mm-hmm. but I hope it's not uh, different than what we want it to be because we still want to be hospitable. We still want to welcome them back in the, uh, the same way that the University of Mary always has. But we have to do it in partnership with you know the Department of Health of North Dakota. Yeah. City of Bismarck, Burley County, etc. But here's one thing that uh, I'll tip you and the, uh, the listeners off. We're making key assumptions. And so I've been using all kinds of bad analogies here these last couple <laughs> weeks. Uh, it, it, it feels like I'm out hunting, but I don't know exactly what I'm hunting for. <laughs> and, then, and then when I see something, I can't quite tell what it is, and it's always moving. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a moving yeah. target, but you don't even yeah. know what your target's supposed to be. Yeah. And so the, the, the key assumptions uh, that we have right now are based on what the governor and the state have given us right now, which is we can come back, but we have to maintain social distancing as much as possible. Uh, we should never have uh, a major event of more than 50 people. We hope that that changes. And then travel uh, between states is fine, but now we have to think of our international students because right now it would require a 14-day quarantine. Yeah. And so so we have to be conscious of every student and how we receive them, and this is what the staff is thinking about. But uh, the, the good question that I'm sure a lot of listeners, parents, students out there might be asking is, so what happens if we all come back Things are good for a month, and all of a sudden it blows up, right? Everybody's talking about this second spike and what's going to happen. We're preparing for that in a number of ways. One, that we can switch the flip, or excuse me, we can flip the switch uh, to go online like we did in the spring and then flip it back off. Mm -hmm. So let's say 10 kids uh, test positive. We will put them into quarantine. We'll take care of them. We even have the food uh, service figured out for them. We have laundry service figured out for them. We have it all figured out for them. We had put them into quarantine, but they don't miss a beat. Mm. Because every class that we have, we can flip to online, both uh, in a short time and to a long time, very quickly, making sure that these young people can move on with their life. Either they, for they one student or even... They come here to get an education. Yeah, either for one student or for all students, depending on what... Exactly. Yeah, okay, good, 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 good. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, Jerome, we're basically out of time. What's uh, yeah? Actually, we're we're just simply out of time. Thanks so much for coming on today and uh, for telling us about how the University of Mary has been approaching um, all of these matters and how they have such good uh, strategic conversations. So, thanks so much, Jerome, for being with us today. Thank you, Father. Thank you to everyone out there. Keep praying for us, cheering for us, and we're going to try to keep serving the church in uh, this region and beyond. Thanks so much. That's so wonderful. All right, that was Jerome Richter, Executive Vice President at the University of Mary. In a particular way, he was talking about his uh, the way in which he directs the operations of the university with, uh, and with the emergency response team uh, so that the University of Mary can uh, continue its mission to educate uh, young people. Um, it, 
in uh, in the way that they've done for so many years. So uh, we're going to take a break. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, in the next hour, we're going to talk to a couple that's been planning a wedding during the pandemic. What is that like? I don't know. We'll find out. Stay with us. Another great hour begins right after this.